Welcome back, creeps. Welcome to a very special episode of Weekly Creep featuring the wonderful Dr. Emma from Real Life Ghost Stories. Hello! So I, I think, like, not to say, like, you don't need any introduction, but I think, like, some of your listeners also listen to us, whereas yes. all of our listeners actually listen to you. So <laughs> um, That's really nice to hear. <laughs> Yeah, but it's uh, like, so I did put like, we have a very small Patreon and I did ask in there, like, would anybody like us to interview anyone? And even before that, we had had people saying like, you guys need to interview Emma <laughs> and just have a chat. So this is going to be the interview episode. Hopefully in the future, we'll actually be able to do like a crossover episode. Like, um, oh, yeah, definitely. Like yeah, yeah. Like, that'd be fun. But yeah, let's get stuck in. You scoot in again. Oh, you keep drifting further away. From me. <laughs> Just slowly inching out. <laughs> <the street. laughs> um, so no, we're just going to ask some nice, uh, light, spooky questions and like other random shit. Um, this time I'm actually going to start. Th- so we did try and do this before and we had to stop for whatever. But um, the one question that I actually had written down, I had seen on your stories that you went to see Damien Rice. I did. And I was literally livid. I was like, for fuck's sake. No matter where I seem to be, because he like tours really sporadically. Yeah, randomly and sporadically, yeah. Yeah. And like, every time I see it come up, I'm not in the country where he's going to be. <laughs> it's the same with Pearl Jam as another one like that as well for me. But how was it though? Oh, Damien Rice. So I, I'm not really like, I love music. I love all different types of music, but I don't really have like a band or like a person that I'm obsessed with, except for Damien Rice. He has been the love of my life since I was a teenager and I've never gotten to see him live. And I went to my brother who is like equally as obsessed and he's seen him like seven or eight times. Oh, um, I know, I know. So we went to see him and he was so good. I have absolutely no evidence that I was there because there's <laughs> he has a no phones rule at oh, his wow. concerts. Yeah, and it was really strictly enforced. So anybody who was like trying to sneaky video, the ushers would come up and like flash a torch in their face. Um, so but he was he was fab. And you know what? He was actually good crack. Yeah. I yeah. always I always thought that he'd be really sort of sad and mopey and <laughs> dour. But he was like, uh, everybody else thinks that I'm going to be really miserable, but I'm actually, I'm actually a really happy guy. Like I just write sad songs. It, it's so funny. So we, I forced Dulce to watch one of his live shows one time, and uh, I promise this isn't just going to be about Damien Rice, but just the next two minutes are at least. Uh, no, and he was doing the song "Cheers, Darling." Oh, I love that song. He drank an entire bottle of wine. Oh, he did. Yeah, he did while he was doing this as well. Oh, my God. Yeah. I was amazed. But He left like, it to the end of the show. And then I was like, oh, he's actually, oh, he's actually drinking. And then yeah. he got, and then he did a couple more songs. And he was like, oh, no, no, we, are, we have to end it now because <laughs> I'm a bit pissed. But, yeah, no, no. And another live one that's actually on Spotify. And he said, like, his songs are so sad that it was actually damaging his mental health. To He would, like, put himself he's like a performative artist like literally he would have to be in that mindset to write the songs and he said that's why he's only done three albums like really yeah it's because he just can't so anyway i love him i think it's really funny because like you said you were a teenager like we were teenage boys driving around in souped up cars like in the back roads of wicklow like smoking and like just thinking we were deadly listening to damien rice like that's such that's such a (laughs) paradox yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, you should be listening to like what was cool at the time, dance music or whatever, yeah, as you're listening to Damien Rice. I did get while I, after I went to see him, I got um, a Damien Rice tattoo. Oh, I don't know if you can, if you can see it. That yes, very the album cover. I've uh, like I've gone into his albums. I was like thinking to get even like a corner of one. Yeah, because they're just so strange. Like you know what I mean. They're, eventually i will yeah maybe i have to wait until i actually see him but he is he did say at his gig that he is writing a new album so he might be touring again hopefully hopefully yeah um yeah because the other irish artist that i'm obsessed with that dulce also hates is uh mick flannery and he's actually no crack like at his shows he's like i'm really sorry i've never gotten better at this i'm terrible 
I hate I hate no crack people though. Do you know what I mean? When you're just he like admits oh. it though, so it's kind of funny. Like <laughs> when I hear a song from him, like, and I don't know any of his music. No, actually, that's that's wrong. I know one song that I actually can stomach, but the other ones, like, I can tell when he's playing him. Like, I don't know him from a guy down the street. That I can I hear the music and I'm like, man, this is shit. And I'm like, is that Mick Flannery? You're like, yeah. <laughs> I'm just in here being, being sad. No, and it's funny. I actually sang a Mick Flannery song to Dulce at a wedding. Oh, that's so and, sweet. And I don't, and I, I couldn't she tell it was him it. because yeah. he, he sucks. Um, he sucks. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Let's move on from this because uh, one thing I will say, actually, I was, I get really worked up about like the most stupid things so like the last time when we were trying to get this done originally i was like all week like oh my god is this like stupid things like my camera's not working my lights not something but just actually having the chats like before we start yeah relax me like, if you can hear that now that's pork chop in our litter box she's going nuts right now um but yeah so i will i do appreciate that but i feel like we just end up chatting for hours like because i know I, look- I know that's why i was like right let's start recording because otherwise yeah. it would just be like and another thing and this <laughs> yeah. have you seen this and then i just i just don't stop yeah no i'm the same it's uh it's the tea culture i think but uh you don't drink tea actually no i don't i don't drink tea. yeah so we can't even do like are you barry's or lions no, no 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 i don't drink tea never have it's okay i'll forgive it but <laughs> Um, tell us your very first ghost story and or actually before you tell us that tell us why you are interested in ghosts and strangeness in general so I've always been like a bit of a spooky bitch do you know what I mean like ever since I was a kid I was just sort of into weird things and when you're like young and then a teenager that is not very desirable you know in terms of you know relationships and friendships and stuff people just think you're weird but as you get older you find your niche you know but I was always a bit of a a bit of a spooky bitch and then I had um this really profound I would say profound paranormal experience that I, I think it I think it really did impact me like I tell this story all the time and people who've listened to real life ghost stories will know this story and I tell it in pretty much every interview that I do but I but it really had an impact on me because I've never been able to explain it. And I think when you have a profound experience like that, it doesn't just exist in a vacuum. It makes you question everything on a wider scale because you end up going, well, if that actually happened, then what else is real? Like, what what does this mean for my belief system and my whole understanding of the world? And that's That's pretty heavy when you're like 19 years old. Do you know what I mean? so I um I worked in a building called Maryborough Lunatic Asylum in um Port Leash in County Leash in Ireland and um people who live in Port Leash will know it as the red brick and I worked there for like five years and prior to me working there there had been all this weird shit had been going on so um all of this like people would hear footsteps on the third floor at night time and the third floor was always locked at night time and it was empty they would hear furniture moving around um like some people were starting to refuse to work the night shift because of it because they were so freaked out by it and uh there was one night like there was these two nurses that were that were working and they heard all this furniture being dragged around upstairs and they were like right big brave men you know, we're going to we're going to go up and see what this is once and for all. So they went upstairs and there was obviously, you know, nothing up there. And one of the nurses told me that he stood and watched as like there was a big light panel on the board on the wall where all the um, light switches were for the ward. And he said he stood and watched as the light switches went off one by one. And the place oh. was like really slowly plunged into darkness. And they they were just like, now, fuck this. <laughs> No, absolutely yeah. not um and in the end they got um and an, and kind of an exorcism mass said uh, in the place wow. uh one of the women that i worked with and this isn't hearsay you know she told me this herself yeah. but she was very 
um, prominent in the local church community. And she spoke to one of the priests who was more inclined towards the supernatural and got him to come in and do an exorcism mass. And actually everything seemed to calm down after that. Like I, I used to work on that floor on my own regularly. Um, And on a winter morning, like I'd be in work, I'd be in work for eight o'clock where it would still be dark and it would just be me bopping around on this whole floor on my own. And I never experienced anything untoward. Like it was always a little bit freaky because you're there on your own in this, you know, in, in what was an old lunatic asylum. Um, but it was fine. And I never really, I never really experienced anything until it was, yeah, it, it was, it was a, a bank holiday Monday and it had snowed really heavily the night before. And I was like 10 o'clock in the morning and I was um, on a sneaky break. Like I shouldn't have been on a break, but I was outside smoking a cigarette and I was leaning against the wall and I looked up and in the third, on the third floor in the middle window, there was a woman looking back at me. Um, and even when I, when I think about it now, like it makes me, it makes me want to cry. And I don't know why, like it's, it's just a really, it was like, I can still see it in my mind's eye and it still really, really freaks me out. Um, and she, as I was looking at her, we, we made eye contact or at least for maybe about five seconds. Like it was a, it was a kind of, it was a long time. And then she just drifted away from the window. And I was like, what in the world? Never said anything. Um, felt that really funny feeling in the pit of my stomach. And then it sort of occurred to me what she looked like. And she had really long, dark hair and she was wearing like a white dress um, but she had no eyes and she just oh. had um, like black hollows where her eyes should have been. Uh, and I think that was the bit because, you know, my brain was a bit slow to catch up. Yeah. And my brain was like, oh, God, did you... she had no eyes. And Jesus then, Christ. So I hadn't said anything. And then the girl that was with me um, smoking a cigarette, she all of a sudden like turned and ran. And she was trying to get her key into the door to get back in. And I was going, oh, my God, what is it? What is it? What's wrong? And she was going, did you not see that woman? Oh, my God, did you not see that woman? And I was like, oh, no, I did. I did see her. I, I saw her. I so I decided in the like the logical part of my brain, I was like, OK, well, that's if, if that is a real person, like they shouldn't be in that building. That building mm-hmm. is locked. There shouldn't be anybody in it over the weekend. Like I, I need to go speak to somebody. So I went and got security and we checked the building and the building was code locked. There was nobody in there. There was nobody scheduled to be in there. Um, if there was any movement inside the building, an alarm would have gone off. We tested it. The alarm was on. It was working. And there was nobody in there. And I was like, oh, well, I definitely saw somebody. And it really, obviously, really freaked me out. And when I left for work, when I left for home that day, I was like, I, I think I saw a ghost. Like, I don't. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe what just happened to me. And that was fine. About a year later, I was in work and hadn't seen anything since. Um, and I was speaking to like a group of us were together and people were talking about like spooky experiences and whatever. And somebody said, oh, Emma, you, you had that weird thing happen to you last year, didn't you? And I told the story and one of the nurses rolled up his sleeves and he was all out in goosebumps. And I was like, oh, what, what what's what's wrong with you? And he went, I see her all the time. Uh, and I was like, excuse me. <laughs> so he used to work at the night shift. And when you work in the night shift, you'd be in the nurse's station, which is like a glass office, basically in the middle of the ward. And when he was working on the female ward, which was downstairs, he said that he was in the in the nurse's station one night and he saw this whoosh person like run past really quickly. And he said, it was definitely a woman, dark hair, white white dress some sort of dress nightgown whatever it was so he obviously assumed it was one of the patients and he got up and checked and he was like oh everybody's in their beds nobody has moved that's weird and he said it happened regularly and it got to the point where he would see her and he would just not move because he was like i know this isn't real or whatever whatever way you want to put it i know this isn't one of the patients um but yeah it it was a a spooky experience and a very spooky place. Now I, I have to say the the running past 
like literally just gave me chills. I don't know why, like, obviously, yeah, horrific that she had no eyes. Like you got a good look at her. Yeah, I, we had a long, a long stare at each other. Well, I don't know if she was staring at me. She had no eyes. So I don't know what was going on. But we we made eye and no eye contact. That, But for me, it's there's something really weird and off-putting about something that moves too fast and something that moves too slow. My thing is I'm afraid of slots and spiders for literally that reason. <laughs> slots. Yeah, and I'm not sure why, but it's the speed thing that freaks me out. But... um. Do you think, right, now this might be a bit deep, but like that feeling that you got, like that horrific feeling that like made you want to cry, do you think that was like some weird empath, like that is how she felt like? I don't, I don't think so, but I do think it's like a, a primal intuition thing that, that, that something was wrong. My, my gut immediately saw her and before my brain could catch up with what was happening, my gut went this is wrong, this isn't safe, this is dangerous, for whatever reason, whether it was like the uncanny valley thing, for, you know, for whatever reason, my body instinctively knew, shit, something is wrong here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jesus. That makes sense to me. And like your feeling of wanting to cry when you think about it makes a lot of sense because people cry when they're sincerely scared. Yeah. yeah. Like involuntarily, like if yeah. I watch movies that sincerely terrify me, I involuntarily start like crying. Like I, I will just start crying. Like, and I don't even notice like the tears yeah. are coming. I'm just so scared. <laughs> but it is, it's such an involuntary, involuntary response. I've got another story about that place that I don't tell as often. Um, but I was in the female ward one day and I was where I was cleaning. And um, so in the ward, it was like sectioned off into like, like three sections and there'd be, maybe four beds in each in each section so I am um, had been cleaning the beds so I had moved all the beds out and was cleaning them and I and I left the ward for what felt like bloody 30 seconds do you know what I mean and I came back and all the beds had moved and I literally walked in and I was like <laughs> um okay so I was standing in the middle of the ward and I just I just like edged my way back out I was like I'm not doing this I'm not this is, this is weird and then I was like oh no I kind of I have to finish what I was doing so I went back in the beds were all moved again I was like oh my gosh yeah. what is happening and it turned out one of the patients was lying on the floor I hadn't seen her and she was moving all the beds every time <laughs> I left the room okay that's scarier to me personally like and this actually might go back to what we were talking about before we started recording but Ireland is full of um like services for people who need it, like mental health services, uh, special disability services. Yeah, I don't know what the correct like catch-all term is. So, like, I'm sure near where you grew up is probably the same. But in my neighborhood, there is like just regular houses that have been bought by these services, so people can live in there semi-independently and live out a yeah. normal life as they possibly can. Like, so for kids of 18 and 19 to be working in these places is not actually as crazy as it sounds now that I think but I personally I could never do it because I'm like I could never be a nurse or anything it's just not in me but yeah so that's where these stories come so I've heard quite a few interesting stories like that where the the not inmates Jesus patients is there are just playing tricks on people and stuff but yeah, yeah. I, used to, I used to have to go to one regularly I was a Chinese delivery man and they just make these places look terrifying. Yeah. I don't know why, but like it had the, the long drive with no lights on it <laughs> and it was in Bray and in, in Wicklow. But, oh man, I used to like just eyes straight ahead, don't look at anything and hand over the food and leave. Like they terrified me, absolutely terrified me. They're like, when I used to tell people stories about, you know, things that I had seen like mm. re- real real things yeah, not yeah. supernatural not ghost stories people would be like there is no way there is no way that that happened because you just don't until you experience what it's like to work in a place like that you just have mm. no idea what it's like and thankfully most of those places have closed down now and like that they've all been changed to kind of community housing which is much better for everybody involved really yeah it's it's actually great like my uh again in my neighborhood it's very it's a lovely little place so you'll see like 
the whole gang leaving the house and going and doing their shopping and stuff like that. But they're actually just great crack to have in, like, yeah. to be in the community and stuff. Anyway, what is, what story, like, did you cover in real life ghost stories, like a deep dive or whatever, that you had learned about, like, when you were younger? Like, what was one that you were kind of like, oh, I can't wait to get stuck oh, in? Oh, there is one story that I kind of regret talking about now. And it's one of the few episodes that I'd like to take down. And that is the Annalise Michelle episode. Yeah. Um, so I learned about that story when I was much younger and scared the bejesus out of myself with the audio of her exorcisms. Yeah. Um, and now as, as, as an adult, um, and even in the last, you know, I've been doing real life ghost stories for four years. And even in that four years, I kind of, I feel like, she was obviously a girl who was either very mentally unwell or had a like physical illness in her brain. Yeah. Um, and I do, I know that her family believed that she was possessed and believed that she was martyred. Um, so I feel like they wouldn't necessarily object to people talking about her in paranormal terms, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, but I kind of that's one that I've known about since I was a kid, and I regret covering it because I feel like the story is somewhat sensationalized when actually there is illnesses like encephalitis and you know that that can account for that kind of extreme, terrifying, possessed behavior. Yeah, and I, I know I've asked this before, but you have said like since learning about like this, all of the stuff that we cover, kind of. You've definitely become more skeptical. Yeah. But like, does the believer part of you? Because speak for me personally, I'm still a strong believer. I'm just a different type of believer. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like when I read something, I'm like, no, I think this has a very human element to it. Like this could be easily explained, like, and that's fine. But then the other stuff that I'm like, say, for example, like our thing is like kind of just by default poltergeist cases just because there's so many well-documented ones whereas now when we're doing a new one you can be like oh look at this this happened in you know Enfield yeah Pontefract wherever it is and we can go like check 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 like what is this so I'm still like a big believer like I know it's something but like where is the believer part of you now um I think I'm still an open-minded skeptic right I there's there's oh there's often elements in those stories in like haunted house stories in poltergeist stories whatever it is there's elements that are kind of universal to all of those stories but there's always something that makes you go what is what how did that happen but that doesn't that doesn't make any sense like hang on a second (laughs) whether it's something apparating or somebody sees something or whatever it is there will always be something that makes me go oh no yeah (laughs) oh that's scary so I think there's there's a part of me that will like there's a little part of me that will always believe the stories yeah I think like personally now I'm just like cataloging them in my brain now it doesn't we had an incident here like recently enough where they'll say woke up and pork job actually as well. So yeah. I just keep calling it our high heeled visitor. Mm. But somebody, well, you tell it happened to you. Uh, yeah. So it sounded like because when my sister used to live here, she would come home late, and like she'd get dolled up and stuff to go out to clubs and stuff, and she'd wear heels. And for some reason, like I woke up expecting to hear her come in thinking it's like 20 years ago and she's forgotten something like in the bathroom. So like she's going, I I hear heels coming from the living room into the hallway towards the bathroom, but I see no one. And I, and because I just woken up, I thought maybe I had dreamt it because, you know, sometimes that's what happens. You know, while you're asleep, there's just noises that creep into your dreams and you see it in your dreams. Um, but no, pork chop was at the foot of the bed and she also reacted and she was like alert. And usually she doesn't, 
she doesn't shake too easy, like when it comes to things like that. Um, but it was really hard to go back to sleep because like the entire time I'm just watching Porkchop just being freaked out, intently staring at something that I cannot see. Do you ever think with things like that, that it, that it, that it is like a impression? Yeah. Like a time slip mm -hmm. type thing that, right. that, that somehow, somehow in the fabric of time, your sister coming home from a night out or whatever is being replayed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, so that the, the stone tape theory. Yeah. Is, right. So that <laughs> night I, I was just ready to go. Ah, you're dreaming. Roll back over and go to sleep. Yeah. But then when I saw Porkchop, like Porkchop is the cat, by the way, um, she was like so on edge yeah. that it like immediately brought this like tension into the room with it. Yeah. And I was like, as skeptical as you want to be, mm -hmm. when you're put into that situation, regardless of how plausible it might be, yeah, straight away, you're, you're like, you know, you're on edge and stuff. And then a few weeks later, recently enough, I was sitting here editing or doing something podcasty and uh i heard it and i'm glad he did because yeah. when i heard it i woke him up and i said there's somebody here and he was like it's nothing and so i look at pork chop and i'm like that's there there's somebody here and so it took me a minute but then i like grit my teeth and got out of bed and went to investigate and i didn't see anyone or see anything Whereas I was saying it's nothing because I was terrified. I didn't want to get up. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but no. So what I heard was as if somebody started the tape halfway through this person walking through and stopped. So it was literally, and again, the way the house is angled, like you, you know where it is. So the ice machine is like in the fridge is the other side. So it definitely wasn't that, but yeah, it was as if I got caught like two or three, two and a half steps. And that's all I heard. And then it stopped. So I was like, that's really interesting. Did the whole, like, what could it be? What couldn't it be? That time I wasn't scared because I guess I was awake and stuff. You know what I mean? But yeah, I got up, checked it. But again, my whole point of bringing that up is just because, like, no matter how skeptical I get because of these stories that we cover, as soon as that little thing happens, I'm like, you bring me right back in, baby. <laughs> Sucking me back in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, so, and, and then what was also funny was Dulce's dad, he was, uh, he heard that story. I think it was the first one that we had done on video. So it came up on his YouTube feed. And uh, the next day, he, he had actually, it was the only episode he's ever watched. And he was like, it's funny because when your uncle was living here, he thought Dulce was playing a prank on him. He was sl sleeping in that same room and he was, awake but he had just got home from work was just lying on the bed and he heard someone coming in i thought it was going to be dulce playing a prank because again you would have been like five or six yeah. I guess. and so he was sitting there waiting he was going to jump at her and scare her <laughs> and it never came he was in the house on his own so uh yeah that that was pretty interesting but anyway sorry to keep this moving forward <laughs> so now what is your favorite and sorry if these are very basic questions, but now what is your favorite topic that you've covered? Or like, not necessarily because of the ghostiness or anything, but like just in general. I love a cryptid story. Okay. I would do cryptid stories every week if I could. <laughs> like, I love them so much. And I, again, you know, with UFO stories, with haunted house stories, whatever, you know, Bigfoot stories, for example, get a bit samey. You know, somebody yeah. sees a big hairy man, they inexplicably have sex with him, you know, whatever, right? So <laughs> Bigfoot stories tend to get a bit samey. So I try and stay away from them uh, because you just end up feeling like you're telling the same story over and over again. But like cryptid stories in general, I I love them. Like I eat them up, <laughs> give them to me. And the weirder, the better. Like I recently did the Van Meter monster. Like what a story horn in the middle of his head that lights up like give it to me hook it to my veins okay. well um, I've never heard that one. yeah i've never heard that one either the, the only one that i've really covered is the loveland frogman oh amazing uh, wands <laughs> who like who doesn't love a frogman with a wand who doesn't love it and that's kind of my favorite part about we don't do those, those stories that often but they're so fleeting like oh, yeah. and they leave such a lasting legend but um and no, they're often so stupid. <laughs> yeah. 
I think that that's what kind of uh, like if I saw something like that, I'd be kind of like, no, man, I can't tell anyone. About <laughs> that's, but I'd be like, I'm taking this to my grave because yeah, yeah. everybody's going to think I'm crazy. But in my uh, naivety, when I first moved here, or around, I don't know, I was going to the gym anyway, so a long time ago now, but it was like late at night and I saw what I could only describe as a big hairy worm, like rolling, like worming down the road. And like my headlights just caught it just enough. And I was like, this before Weekly Creep even. So I was like, where do I go? Read it. And I was like, this is what I saw. <laughs> Somebody tell me. I got all sorts of answers. Turns out uh, I seen another one like a few months later and it's a uh, fucking tumbleweed. Uh, yeah. It just no way. In the city. So I guess they couldn't like get big enough. So they just looked like fucking worms. But I ended up working in that gym. So I was there at night quite a lot after that. Yeah. So I felt pretty dumb after that. That's funny. Um, a phallic tumbleweed. Yeah. A worm like tumbleweed. <laughs> um real quick how long do you want to let this run before we switch over because we have all day but yeah okay. go for it um I, I, my tattoo appointment's at like two and it's not even 11 o'clock yet so we have all the time in the world sweet deal let's go like another few minutes um i don't even know i have this thing where i have like five or six notebooks and then i can't find anything that's written down um did you have a question? Because I've done all the talking. Yeah, I was going to say if I could get a question in. Um, is there, how do you, <laughs> that came out passive aggressive. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. Fine. <laughs> um, so like with your growing fan base, uh, what I wanted to know is um, how do you set up your boundaries with your fans? And like, how do you enforce them? Oh, that's such a good question. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I have really struggled at times with um, the real life ghost stories listeners. Obviously, not not all of them. I, I think that I need to preface this by saying yeah. 99.9% of people that listen to the podcast, and it'll be the same for you for you guys. It's they're really boundaried, really respectful like really polite lovely like they might send me something on instagram they might send me an email lovely brilliant cannot cannot fault 99.9 percent .9 of people that listen but you know there 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 are times when boundaries get crossed mm -hmm. um and most of the time i don't think people realize that their behavior is unboundaried and that makes it more difficult mm. because when i try and call people out and say hey that this isn't okay they immediately get really defensive and then it becomes then it becomes then it becomes difficult so i, I don't know is the answer i don't know mm -hmm. i try and be boundaries like i have auto responses on instagram and stuff um i have an auto response to my email i have gotten much better at accepting that not everybody is going to like you mm -hmm. i found that really difficult in the beginning when people were like i don't, I don't like you know this about the podcast or this was really shit or this episode was terrible i used to be like oh, how dare you i spend so much time yeah and yeah another yeah I've, I've sort of learned to just where possible just let a lot of it go yeah mm. do you have do you guys have difficulties with it with unboundariedness i think sometimes as well i think the paranormal um lends itself to unboundaried um, behavior and conversations, maybe? I think we have a similar situation and it's an, it, and you're right. It's, I think because these people don't know that they're crossing boundaries or they're setting expectations uh, of you in this parasocial relationship that they've constructed with us, that, um, because of all that, they lack, it's the lack of self-awareness. And it's, you can't, you can't talk to that, you know, um, because they just don't know. Um, so that, it's a tricky situation. <laughs> I think we're going to have to probably set up some sort of system, like a vetting system, 
where it's like, if you really want to give us a message, you know, that is not um, spurred on by pure emotion, you know, if yeah. you want to give me a thought out uh, message to receive, just email it. <laughs> yeah, because actually you'll find that a lot of people won't. Yeah, because exactly that. It's come from an instant response on Instagram where they've gone, but this is how I feel. And then if they get a reply to be like, if you need to contact me, you need to send me an email. Oftentimes yeah. they won't because they're like, oh, hang on a second. Actually, I need to, there's yeah. steps that I need to take to send an email. And that gives me time to think about what it is that I'm saying. Pretty much. Yeah, it, it's funny. It's like if this was 20 or 30 years ago, they'd have to sit down and write a, a letter and then bring it to the post box and then wait for a response like you know what I mean yeah yeah maybe it's not yeah it maybe it's not just a lack of self-awareness maybe it's just purely because they're it's they're like emotion driven maybe yeah you know like it's like your immediate response is like if you hear something you don't like is this is crap (laughs) yeah but like if you you write it in an email and you're like you have to describe why this is crap and then you're just like well I don't really know why this is crap. Maybe yeah. I just don't like it. Actually, I was it's just having a you. bad day and these yeah. <laughs> like jive with me or whatever. Yeah, I like, think there's um there's also a reality in being an easy place for people to put their frustration. Mm-hmm. So I remember at the beginning of the pandemic having this like massive uptick in in like people sending me like really really kind of bizarrely aggressive messages and emails and I was like what is going on and I I was like oh my god everybody hates us everybody hates the podcast like why are we doing this because no matter how many nice messages you get the human instinct is to focus on the shit you know what I mean and on the angry messages and the bad reviews and all of that and then I I really realized that like people were freaked about the pandemic. People were frightened. Of course they were. We all were. Everybody was. Nobody felt in control. And we ended up being like a, a like a channel or a funnel for some people's frustrations. And when I when I squared that in my brain, I was like, oh, oh this is yes. not all about me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um I in my head, I always just go back to the letter thing because i just think it's how angry must you have been back in the day to send a letter yeah. so I'm like, you know, yeah, and i am bringing it. this to the post office <laughs> um but anyway i thought like the pandemic this is uh since we're on the topic of the pandemic oh. i honestly thought it was a zombie outbreak like i thought it was like we were gonna hear <laughs> yeah. stories uh like we we're gonna see um leaked footage of people oh my god yeah like eating each other yeah that's what I was expecting. Who's to say and, it didn't happen? And so, like, you know, with like the return of like zombie, um, like I guess entertainment, like with The Last of Us, oh. and like the new Resident Evil that came out, like, I think it was called The Village, and all this other stuff. I can't watch that because. Yeah. I remember that time like I you know what I mean and it makes me way too anxious and it was really frightening like I remember all of the like in in Ireland and in the UK it was like all these whatsapp messages that were like the army are coming in and they're going to shoot everybody on site and people were like freaked because obviously we had never experienced anything like that before I did have um, a pretty great experience with actual uh, like where I got actual hate like not not just you know people I get it people criticize the podcast all the time and go for it like you're allowed to do that and if it's constructive I'll take it on board of course I will um but I (laughs) I posted something one day on Instagram it was like a like a this week's film review is whatever um and I was sitting in the pub and I happened to have my phone in front of me and at the time I had Instagram notifications on and I got this notification that somebody had left a comment on the on the post and it was it was vile like it was it was basically like I fucking hate you you're a stupid bitch like all you ever do and it was clearly somebody who listened to the podcast they were like all you ever you never give an opinion on things you just say you don't know probably because you're so fucking stupid like blah 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 like it was it was a paragraph of just vitriol about me right specifically about me and I was like wow and I read it and then I went, oh, you've posted this from your real Instagram account. 
oh no. And then they deleted it because they obviously had one meant to post it from like a sock account or a fake account and accidentally posted it from their real Instagram account and then panicked and deleted it. But I had already seen it and I was like, ah. <laughs> wow, you've got a lot of hatred towards me. That is, I mean, that is. Was this somebody who might have known you before or just? No, 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 no. I because okay, I, okay. I kind of, I kind of wouldn't mind it if it was somebody who knew me in real life. I'd be like, fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. Um, but yeah, this this person, yeah, didn't know me in real life. I just absolutely, clearly, absolutely well, hates me. Commented before anything. I don't know. I can't. I couldn't quite figure out if they had commented before. Um, but I'd imagine from from what they said in the comment. I'd imagine they had listened for quite a while. Yeah, because probably I, hate listened a lot. I find that interesting. Like, isn't that interesting? I I will be the first one to be like I. I don't know why, I have like these weird responses to different types of audio. So if I do listen to someone and their voice like just doesn't sit right with me, I know now I know as a grown up, I'm like oh, their voice just can't. Like, I'm not in the right headspace to listen to this person yeah. not to do with what they're doing. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But uh, so I don't know how I could sit down and listen to like an entire catalog of stuff and then go, actually, no, do you know what? But yeah, we're just curious now. We want to find this person for you. Um, but no, okay. So I want to know about your musicals. I mean, not your musicals, like, you know, the, the, like, because you're in a theatrical group is that yeah so i um i run a theater company um i produce for a theater company i mean pre-pandemic my friends set up a theater company and brought i brought a show to edinburgh but i was in the middle of doing my doctorate so i wasn't involved and then obviously pandemic happened everything fell apart post-pandemic i was like hey guys let's (laughs) get the band back together (laughs) um but i also do amateur stuff for for other things and I I do I do random bits and pieces too like last last year I did a a show in like (laughs) in this this really these really rich posh people's garden who they wanted to like get a statue made of this playwright and they came and approached us and were like can you put on a show and I was like absolutely yeah brilliant um so I do random bits and pieces like that at the moment I'm doing a show I'm doing uh, Twelfth Night, the Shakespeare show, and I'm playing the part of Feste, who is a singing fool. And unfortunately, I have this thing, and I, I'm not, I think I'm, I'm not entirely sure where it's come from, but I always will blindly say I can do something without any question. If somebody was like, oh, this part, you need to play a saxophone, I'd be like, I can do that. Oh, well. Yeah, don't worry about it. I can do that. Can I do it? No, but I would always say I can do it. And in this in this particular instance, the the part of the role is to sing, and uh, I was like, "Yeah, I can do that. Don't worry about it." I mean, can I sing? I'm sure you can. <laughs> well, I wouldn't front a band. I'll put it that way. Um, so as it has happened, I am now playing this part and uh, singing four songs. Four. Oh, yeah. Mm. nice yeah yeah one of which i need to be learning at the moment and i'm absolutely not doing that so um yeah so that's what i'm doing at the moment and it's it's yeah taking up a huge amount of my time which is great i love it and i'm also producing a show um called death and the carpenter which is like a really really dark folk story that is all about this man who goes into the forest and he runs into death and he hears the he, he hears death playing like his bone fiddle Nice. And death is like, by the time I finish my song, you're going to die. So the, the carpenter has to try and, you know, get one up on death. And we're making like a big six foot death puppet, which is very exciting. But yes, that's, that's what I do in my spare time. That's yeah. really cool. That is so we, cool. We have like built up this uh, imaginary place that you live in. That's basically Midsummer Murders. Yeah. <laughs> you live in Badger's Drift. Because <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, wouldn't it? Because we're always. Um, in Costin. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're always like, oh, maybe next year we'll like just move somewhere completely different. Just because, you know what I mean? It's like every week it's somewhere else. Yeah. But Midsummer Murders is like one of our comfort watches. And I remember you had posted something about like one of these uh, plays or something. I was like, I actually think, and now that you've said about 
putting on a performance in a rich person's garden. I'm even more convinced that, that, that you is... live in Factory Swift. Yeah. Yeah, it was that. I mean, that was an experience because, like, they they were rich, rich people, yeah, yeah. and um, yeah, they they had. I would imagine some of them had very strong opinions on me, which I'm fine with. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, great. And when we did so in November last year, um, we put on Macbeth and we did it in like a medieval guard tower in a medieval prison in Canterbury. And it was, I mean, it was, it was insane because it was, you know, these medieval towers, they're not built for full scale productions. <laughs> yeah. So that was, that was, that was rough. That was tough going, but we did it. We managed it and it was pretty good. That sounds amazing. Um, I think uh, we'll wrap up our one of these. Oh, I just had a quick oh, question. Sorry. Um, last meal you would ever have? Oh, oh, that's such a good question. Like you can do starter, you can do main course, you can do dessert. So this is going to be so. This is going to be so niche. It's going to be so niche, but I'm going for it. Right, my starter is so adam you're gonna get this my starter is a chicken fillet roll from centra oh uh, yeah she's like a those. chicken fillet trooper i love that they're so good like every yeah. time i go home i have a chicken fillet roll <laughs> yeah it has to be done they even have vegan ones now which is fantastic oh, yeah. so i have um plain oh, chicken oh. right lettuce red onion cheese mayonnaise and butter Cut okay. in half, get in my face. That's my starter. <laughs> okay, yeah. that's a pretty solid start. <laughs> my main is um a snack box, curry sauce, battered sausage, but from my chipper in my hometown, which is called Eddie Phelan's. That's okay. what I want for my main. I've heard of snack boxes before. I I. <laughs> so it's based fried chicken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. No, cause... wait, right? Fried chicken. Yeah. Fried chicken yeah. chips, yeah. 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 What's his name? Um, Stephen, who I used to work with. He the Scottish fella. Yeah, because he he was like, yeah, I'm gonna go back home. I'm gonna go to a rave, and it's like three days long. And it's funny because, like, it's great because he's like an older guy, you know. And he's like, fuck yeah, I'm gonna go back. You know, I'm gonna go to this rave, drink tons of beer, and have munchie box. That's what he munchie called. Box. Oh, yes, to a munchie box. Yeah. So is that more like spice bag combo? Yeah, like a spice okay. bag, yeah. Um, yeah, my granddad used to get a snack box. I'm just not into meat on the bone. That's why I never got into it. What? Curry sauce, though. I feel like you're going to... Um, personally, I love it. Nice. Chip shop curry, yeah. But I feel like a lot of people are going to give you some uh, some flack for that because like garlic sauce, garlic mayo from the chippers. Stupid curry sauce has its place. No, no, I'm, I'm a curry boy. I'm a curry boy. It's in the echelon of condiments. Yeah, curry sauce, but only from the chip shop. Like I don't, yeah, I don't want homemade curry sauce. I don't want yeah, any yeah. other. Like I don't want it like from a carton that you get in the shop. No, I want it from the chip shop. It's yeah. very unique. It. It's a unique. It's flavor. because they don't clean it as often. That's where all the flavor comes <laughs> yes! from. Yes, yeah. I used to. Um, I used to live in uh in in a pretty rough part of Canterbury for a couple of years. I mean, it was ridiculous but there was a chip shop next door to me like a couple of doors down and it was literally just this woman's sitting room like oh, literally li like literally you'd go in right she'd be sitting watching eastenders and she'd come through a little partition and be like what do you want and i'd be like i went in once and i was like this is fucking mental there was like neck curtains on the windows still right and i oh. was like what is happening um so I, I got, I she I was like, can I get a bag of chips, please? Got a bag of chips, brought them home and actually put them in the bin because you could taste, you could taste the years of oil not being changed. I, what does it the house that smell like? Oh, mm. it was rough. I yeah. mean, she's, she's since died, God rest her. But like, <laughs> it was, it was rough. Jesus Christ, probably inhaling all those, uh, all the grease. Yeah. All right, so what about dessert then? Yeah. Oh, um, I'm not really a dessert gal, right? Mm. I'm, I'd, I'd rather have two starters. But if I'm, <laughs> my desserts are going to be really, I'm going to have two desserts. Sorry, I'm just going to do it. Okay. And they're really polar opposites. The first thing I want is like, I want a black blackberry souffle. Okay. Which is very okay, fancy. That's, yeah, what? That sounds <laughs> bougie. I love it. <laughs> very bougie. But also, I want... Vianetta. 
Which I uh, don't okay. know if that's a US thing. I don't know if you can I get that. I don't think it is, but I'll tell you what. My granddad still lets me know when he has Viennetta in the fridge because that's the fancy dessert. Yeah, that is. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it's basically just like ice cream, but it was like, it, like. It was really clever advertising, I think, where yeah. they made it feel like the Ferrero Rocher of, of ice cream, like in this. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. oh, that's cool. And it was yeah. basically what poor people got to feel fancy. Do you know what I mean? That was that was it. And then we used to have it every year at Christmas when I was a kid. And even now, like I'm the youngest in my family and all my siblings are grown up, obviously. Um, every Christmas we have to have Viennetta. And there was one Christmas a couple of years ago where my mom didn't get Viennetta. <laughs> and we still talk about it now. The Chico. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the absolute Chico. We were like, excuse me? This is the worst Christmas ever. What was yeah. the granny upset because there was no mashed potatoes at that dinner. No, that's my little sister. Oh, it's her sister. My, my uncle is actually from South Africa, so he doesn't see why we need to have roast potatoes, mashed potatoes, oh. potato croquettes, yeah. and whatever else like you can fit with a Christmas dinner. Whereas my dad does that every Sunday. Like, literally, I'm not joking, multiple types of potato. Yeah. Very stereotypical. He's a great cook. But my uncle... <laughs> was doing like he smoked the turkey in his pit outside he does like sirloin or not even like fillet steak instead of like roast beef stuff like that it was fancy shit fancy shit blackberry souffle (laughs) (laughs) but he didn't do any mashed potatoes because he had done roast potatoes no 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 my little sister i mean if she ever watches this anyway she's you don't want to get on her bad side he got on our bad side. <laughs> anyway, um, Emma, where can we, where can, well, we know where to find you. Where can everybody else find you? Oh, if you want to find me, I am Real Life Ghost Stories everywhere that you can find me. So I'm at Real Life Ghost Stories on Instagram, at Real Life Ghost Stories on TikTok. Um, you can, if you search Real Life Ghost Stories anywhere where you listen to podcasts, then you'll find me there. Sweet. And thank you very much. This is a, you're our first interview yeah interviews like since we started we're yeah. like first podcast interview we've had like a few like uh guests and stuff on but we're hoping to make this more of a thing now i have some more potentially lined up so hey. hopefully everybody likes it but yeah we wanted to wait because you've been so good to us like over the last thanks for years. having me i've thoroughly enjoyed it <laughs> good good all right bye everybody okay, bye. <laughs> i don't know what to do that's usually how we finish an episode anyway because you don't know what to do so we're just kind of go Okay. No, you never, you never know what to do. I, when I'm doing video content as well, I'm always like, "What, what do That's I do now?" Awesome. <laughs> Hi, Bobby. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is pork chop. I was gonna say that's definitely pork chop. Chop, yeah. I recognize yeah. by the sticker. Say hi, Emma. <laughs> hi, hi, little Bobby. Oh, look. I do a lot of stuff with my hands as well because I don't know what the fuck else to do. Welcome.